0: Glory be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Beloved, we want to specially welcome you to this week's episode of GLOAM Podcast, the official podcast channel of Global Emancipation Ministries, Calgary, Canada. Our mandate is liberating men through the knowledge of the truth, and that's what the Lord will be doing through the episode you will be listening to shortly. We will like you to subscribe to this GLOAM Podcast channel on Anchor, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Overcast, Breaker, Radio Public, pocket casts, and other listening platforms accessible to you in order to keep receiving fresh episodes as they become available. That way you will not miss out on any revelation the Lord may be bringing your way through this channel. Please kindly subscribe, share the links and encourage your friends and family to subscribe as well. To learn more about this ministry, kindly visit our website at www.glome.org, and also remember to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn among others, and stay connected to keep abreast of important spiritual updates as they become available. May the Lord bless you mightily as you do all these in Jesus' name. Now the hour has come to be blessed again. Stay tuned and open your heart as our president, Anthony Adifarakin brings God's word to us from the throne of grace. Be blessed as you listen.
1: let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet another week. We give you glory, honor and adoration for your preservation. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thanks for your mercy. Thanks for taking care of us. Lord, accept our thanks in the name of Jesus. Father, we have come to learn at your feet again. We pray that you speak to us. We pray that you give us understanding. We pray that you open up our eyes that may behold wondrous things out of your law. And we pray that by the time this session is over, we have all the cause to glorify your name. Thank you father for always answering our prayers we return all the glory to you in jesus mighty name we pray amen hallelujah to jesus well uh for the next three weeks we are going to be visiting a school for the next three weeks we are going to be visiting a particular school um and we're going to be learning some important life lessons, some important life applicable lessons from this particular school. And in case you are wondering which school is that, don't worry, it's virtual. <laughs> uh, we're going to be visiting the school of Ruth. We're going to be visiting the school of Ruth. R-U-T-H. Okay, so our first visit to the school of Ruth will be happening today. Then by next week, if the Lord has not returned, we visit there again. And uh, the other week, that's the following week, uh, after next week, we'll take, uh, we, we visit uh, one more time. And by then, we should have covered the lessons that the Lord wants us to learn from this school. So if you want to write down your topic, you can say the School of Ruth Part 1. Uh, since today is our first visit to that school, the School of Ruth Part 1, and we're going to be taking a text from uh, Ruth Chapter 1 the book of Ruth, chapter 1, I will read verse 1 and 2. This uh the school of Ruth, part 1. So our text is Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And I will be reading from King James Version for the purpose of this episode. I read, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. E and his wife and his two sons and the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife Naomi and the name of his two sons Malon and Chilion Ephratites of Bethlehem Judah and they came into the country of Moab and continued there another word for saying they stay there the Lord bless his words in our heart in Jesus name the school of Ruth part one we have just taken Ruth chapter one verse one to two I will tell you what we want to achieve in this particular school so that you can understand the dimension this episode will be taking. Something happened to the people in this school alright and the thing that happened to them, uh, the things actually were documented and we are now visiting to go review, to go check the documents to go check what happened to them, their experiences, how they responded, to what happened, you know. And uh, upon understanding what happened to them, how they responded, how you know how they went through the old situation, we can draw life applicable lessons from them. Something that we can apply to our lives now. So by the time we are out of this school, we would have come out with a part with certain important lessons that we can. Uh, apply in our own lives, so that we can have experiences that are probably even better than what they experienced, so that we can avoid the pitfalls and also emulate some beautiful things that they did. That's why I call it life applicable lessons from chapter one. We are looking at we just read looked at root chapter one, so we are looking at life applicable lessons from chapter one. All right. So, the very first lesson we are going to be learning from this school of roots, the part one, is from the life of Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, the daddy of Malon and Chilion. Elimelech had a wife named Naomi, and they had two sons, Malon and Chilion. They were of the Uh, They were living in Bethlehem Judah but because there was a famine in their land this man relocated his family to the country of Moab where there was food and they continued there. Lesson one, as a man, if you are listening to me and you are a man not a boy, as a man you must learn to take responsibility for your family. That's the very first striking lesson we are taking from this school. As a man, you must learn to take responsibility for your family. Elimelech discovered there was farming in the land which threatened the continued existence of his family. No food, farming, nothing was growing. He didn't just sit down in despair, he didn't say, oh what am I going to do? He, he, he didn't just sit down expecting situations to grow worse. He was not just looking. He took action. He was proactive. He discovered this farming can threaten the continuous existence of my family. If this farming gets worse, can claim my family's lives Are the lives of my family members. So he didn't just sit down in despair. He took a drastic action by finding out where there was food and relocating his family there for sustenance. That is what it means to be a responsible man. He made the research, he found out, oh there was food in Moab and he took his family there for sustenance. That's being a responsible husband and father. Okay? You don't sit down and just think things will work out, you know. Your, your children have not eaten, you know, you are there watching tv, really. Really, something is going wrong, you know, you're just there, you are not not leading that family and you are a man. I'm sorry to say, that word responsible cannot be used for you. Okay? Now, another thing we noticed, we noticed Naomi, the wife. Naomi did not come up with a contrary vision. The moment Elimelech said, we are getting out of here because of this famine, we are going somewhere so that we can be sustained there. The wife did not come up with a contrary vision. The wife didn't say, I'm not following you. She complied. She simply complied with her husband's instruction. She complied with her head because the husband is the head of the wife, at least in the language of the Bible. Okay? She complied with her head's instruction and gravitated towards his direction. It was the duty of the man to provide direction for the family and as a responsible wife, she cooperated with her husband. And as a result of this demonstration of unity of purpose between this man and his wife, their children, Malon and Chilion, had no option than to follow suit. When the father plays his role the way he's supposed to play it and the mother supports that role without rebelling, their children will definitely be cooperative. They will follow suit. Not that the daddy is saying it is with his moab. The mother is saying no it is a dome. Uh, where will the children go when there's cooperation with this unity of purpose between a man and a wife between husband and wife their children will not live confused like they will understand they will, they will cooperate they will follow suit because they can see the example for instance if the father declares the god of israel as the god of as the god the family will worship okay the father says In this family we will worship the God of Israel and the wife complies the children will not follow Baal because Baal is an idol the daddy says this is the God we're going to serve in this family and the wife complies the chances of the children following Baal is so low they are most likely to follow the God of Israel because even usually in the natural sense there are some people the religion they have now is the religion they met in their family religion they met the father and the mother practicing that's what they are still practicing to tell you how agreement between parents can actually provide direction for children however if the 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 man must make the lead if, if, if if you can't just you can't just leave anything you have already declared the wife complies the children will follow suit The man must take the lead before expecting his family to follow. That's why I say Elimelech was responsible. The man must take the lead before expecting his family to follow. He must have a vision for the family which his wife and children are to pursue with him. You must have the vision, provide direction for the family. This is what this family is going to do, this is where we are going. Then your wife and the children will follow suit. That's why you are the head of that family. Now it's also worthy of note that the Bible calls Christ the head of the man. 1 Corinthians 11.3 Even though Jesus, I mean um, the man is the head of the home, is the head of the wife, Christ is his own head. It therefore follows that a man who will provide good direction for his family must be subject to Christ himself. You must be under the control of God. You must be under the control of Christ to be able to get your family to be under your control. You obey Christ and your family obeys you. That's the order. So following a man who is not under the control of Christ is risky. Women take notes. If your husband is not saved, your husband is not born again, he's still your husband but pray. Pray very well because it's very risky. He must be subject to Christ if that family is going to be safe for all of you. Pray. And if you are yet to be married, See a man who is not under the control of Christ. Reconsider. Reconsider. It's very risky. Your husband must answer to Christ. If your family will be wonderful, if your family will be godly in nature, so as the husband submit your submit yourself to Christ, and it will help you leave. I mean, help you lead your family aright. You want to lead your family the right way. Let Christ lead you first. Then you'll be able to lead your family aright. Your family needs you to point in the way they are to go. They need you to point it out. Where is this family going? What's the plan? Point it out and stand up and take the responsibility for your family. Okay? It has been said that a leader is someone who knows where to go, stands up and goes there. And others follow. A leader does not just say we are going here and he sits down. A leader knows where to go, he stands up and he's going there. And others follow him. So stand up and take responsibility for your family. The reference for that is Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. The lesson 2 we are taking from this school, bad times also happened to God's people. They had famine and extreme scarcity of food visited God's own people. In Bethlehem, a place known and named as the house of bread, the meaning of Bethlehem is the house of bread, there was no bread. So despite being connected to Judah, which means praise, their condition was not praiseworthy but life-threatening. Bad times also happen to God's people. There is no level of relationship with God that will keep certain unfavorable situations like farming away permanently. It was recorded in Genesis chapter 12 verse 10 that there was a famine in the time of Abraham, despite his close relationship with God. And another one in the time of his son Isaac. Genesis 26, verse 1. Their faithful and covenant work with God couldn't prevent famine from coming. However, according to First Corinthians ten thirteen, he had always made a way out for his own. He gave them a way of escape. You read in Genesis chapter forty one verse twenty nine to thirty six, for instance, God warned Egypt of an imminent famine through the dream he gave to Pharaoh. Famine was coming, and God warned them ahead. He thereafter gave Joseph the wisdom to apply in order to scale through the famine without being hurt by it. It simply follows that though bad times like famine are inevitable as long as the earth exists, they can be wisely planned for in order to come out of them victoriously. Route 1 1 You can plan for these times and you can trust God to bring you to the Bible. Say, God is faithful, we will also make a way of escape. Okay, so don't think because you are born again everything will be fine. Jesus was in the boat, storm still arose. How much more you? Lesson number three. No condition is permanent. Even if there is farming today, God will visit you with bread. Once again, as recorded in Ruth chapter 1 verse 6, the place they left, eventually bread sticking. And according to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 to 8, there is a time for everything under the heavens. So if you are in your season of farming now, be very confident that it will soon give way to your season of plenty. Because no condition is permanent, no season is permanent. There's no permanent winter, there's no permanent spring. Seasons come, seasons go. Okay? And conversely, if you are at present enjoying abundance, be assured that a time of scarcity is also coming. So you must plan to welcome it when it comes. There is always a time of more than enough, not enough, more. That's the way the earth is configured. So you are are to expect this and you you are expected to plan towards it. So with this knowledge, it becomes imperative that whenever there is a supply, a certain portion of it is to be set aside in order to scale through the inevitable farming seasons that come to every man on earth. So for instance, on every income, a portion is to be set aside to ensure sustenance when farming sets in. Don't just blow all your salary, blow all your money, blow everything and see if money keeps coming every day. Even if money keeps coming every day, are you sure it will keep coming every day? For every provision the Lord brings your way, he has your survivor in the time of famine in mind. And as a result, he expects you to plan for it. Before famine landed in Egypt, God gave them abundance first. Every season of life should be treated with utmost wisdom. Plenty is not permanent so you must invest. And famine is not permanent so you must be courageous to scale through it while it lasts. Remember in the case of Egypt, the famine lasted only 7 years. Genesis 41, 29 to 36. While in the case of Judah, Naomi, after about 10 years, that the famine had ended. In about 10 years, the farming ended. No farming is eternal as far as this earth is concerned. Before farming comes, God must have visited you with some level of abundance. It is in your wise planning. It's your responsibility to plan wisely so that you can skate through the time of farming when it comes. He gave the Egyptians seven years of supernatural abundance so that they can save, they can plan for the seven years of farming that we follow. So when the abundance came, they already saved. So when the farming came, they didn't have any problem. They just they were just enjoying. In fact, people from other nations were coming to buy food from them because they planned. And when the farming ended, they continue living. You see what I mean? So before scarcity comes, God definitely has a way of making some abundant supply in advance which you have to discover you have to be smart enough to to detect it and do what is right don't blow up everything so that whenever there is some lack there is farming you can scale through that's from Ruth chapter 1 verse 6 number four lesson regardless of the kinds of blow the world has dealt or is at present dealing you never sit down in defeat regardless of what has happened to you in life don't sit down don't accept defeat arise and head towards a new beginning. You also see that from Ruth chapter 1 verse 6, attempt a fresh start, acknowledge your unfortunate situation, don't deny it but never accept it as the conclusion of your condition. Look at that Ruth chapter six, uh, chapter 1 verse 6, despite all the woes that had befallen Naomi because her husband died, her two sons died, Naomi was left alone with the daughter-in-laws Despite all this terrible thing that happened to her, she arose and head dead for a new beginning. So even if you are falling up to seven times, God expects you to get up and keep going. Read Proverbs 24:10 and 16. Proverbs 24:10 and 16. You fall, a righteous man falls seven times. You are you keep rising. As a student, you might have failed woefully in times past I may even be planning to give up, thinking there's no point trying again. It is too early to quit. You are expected to go at it again. There's always light at the end of the tunnel provided you endure till you get to that end of the tunnel. Not the middle of the tunnel, the end. So you stay there. You stay put. You become persistent. Endure to the end of the tunnel and light will come. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't just say no, I'm I'm not trying anymore. You still have to try. You must never allow the devil to have the final say or to have the last laugh over your life. Rise again. You are more than conquerors. That's the word of the Lord for you. You rise again. You are more than what? You are more than conquerors. You are more than that situation. Okay? And even the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there's nothing that's even happening to you now that has not happened to somebody before. It says there's no problem. There's no temptation that's taking you, but that's not common to man. It's common. It's common. Your devil is not taller than the devil of people. Is the one, Is the same devil. It's <laughs> the same devil. Okay. Number five, lesson number five from the school of Ruth. I just believe you are, le- hope you are learning something from this school. Uh, we have two more lessons for this uh, part one. So lesson five. Tenacity, that's perseverance, is a vital ingredient for destiny fulfillment. We learned that. And this virtue played out in Ruth chapter 1, 14 to 18 as Ruth refused to be persuaded against her destiny. Naomi was going back to her place. Remember her son, their two sons had died, or they were married before they died. So the two daughter-in-laws were with her. Her husband had died. So she was going. Ruth, one of the daughter-in-laws says, I will go with you. She saw something in Naomi. I will go with you. Something in her destiny was telling her, "I, I need to be connected to Naomi. I must not be separated. Naomi persuaded her to go back. are you coming to do i'm already an old woman who will marry you now Ruth said please don't tell me to go back i must follow you tenacity she persevered which is a vital ingredient for her destiny fulfillment she saw something in Naomi's family which was totally different from what her background portrayed and she decided to cling on to that she refused to be persuaded against her destiny all effort to derail her was abortive, as she tenaciously held onto her resolution. Her sister-in-law decided to yield after a little persuasion, but no roots. She was willing to die for what she believed in, and according to Matthew 1:5, her tenacity was rewarded as she found herself named among those uh, among those uh, those Jesus Christ are descended from among the ancestors, ancestresses of Jesus Christ. She found her name there. Go and read Matthew 1; you will find roots there and name was mentioned among those Jesus Christ, the King of kings, descended from. Jacob also exhibited this kind of tenacity in Genesis 2.26 and he had his destiny transformed forever. Tenacity. So I ask you, what is that vision in your heart? You need tenacity to fulfill it. The day visions are born are not the days they get fulfilled. You must nurture and you must hold on to them regardless of your position no vision gets fulfilled on a platter of gold, there must be oppositions, that's sure. So it's the ability to overcome these oppositions that guarantees the eventual fulfillment of your dreams. These oppositions may come in form of wrong cancels from friends, some people don't believe in you, they don't believe in your dreams, they are dream killers, you know. It could be undue pressure from family members, death of a loved one, somebody says he's going to sponsor you and suddenly he's dead and you think your vision is dead? Hold down to it. It could be unfavorable economic climate, it could be sickness, it could be disappointment, natural disasters, whatever it is but don't let your free vision die. These are just oppositions, rise above them. Rise above them. Regardless of the form these oppositions may take, I put it to you, rising above them is the only guarantee you will ever have your desires fulfilled. That's the only guarantee you have, that you will ever have them fulfilled and the grace to the grace you need to be tenacious until your dreams come to pass receive it now in the mighty name of Jesus that's from Ruth 1:14 to 18 for your reference the last lesson for this uh, from this uh, first visit to the school of Ruth never blame your circumstances on God don't try it never blame your circumstances on God God is always good Elimelech died Marlon and Chileon also died, leaving Naomi alone. Yet, she didn't see the fact that she was the only survivor as God's goodness. She was clouded with bitterness and sadness that she felt it was God who was against her. Do you know to be able to cry, maybe something happened to you and you are shedding tears. Do you know it's still a testimony? You You know? Do you know to have pain is still a testimony because those who are in the morgue, they don't have pain. Those who have been buried, they don't cry. So pain is even a sign that you still have life. She did not see that the fact that she had not died was still God's goodness. Don't blame your circumstances on God. Don't say God is punishing you, God is against you. You don't want to do that. She was so clouded with her challenges that she described her condition as God's hand afflicting her. She attributed all her woes to God, being against her. Look at Ruth 1, 19-22. The Almighty God is the one to run to in times of trouble, not the one to blame. Your problem should drive you to God, not to blame God. God is good to all. Look at Psalm 145, verse 9, Matthew five forty-five, 45. Psalm 145, 45, verse 9, Matthew 5, 45. God is good to everyone, to all, all the time your condition or circumstances shouldn't be shouldn't paint God as bad to you. He's your helper. There's nothing bad about God. Instead of focusing on your woes, look for the good hand of God in all your circumstances. No one has ever received deliverance by blaming or accusing God. It doesn't happen. Those who blame God in the wilderness, they died. Blaming God only keeps you in perpetual defeat. You thank him even in your pains. Because that is his will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks. That's what he wants you to do. Elimelech died, yes. Marlon died, yes. Chilean died, yes. But there's root, there's Naomi. There's Oprah. There's they, still life. And we're going to be seeing as we visit the school in, uh, in subsequent weeks. You'll see what eventually happened to Naomi. How she was compensated. That God is good. Don't blame your situation on God. He's your helper. When you begin to blame or accuse your helper, you want to stay in defeat. You can read Ruth chapter 1, 19-22 for that. And that's going to be the last lesson we're going to be learning from this part 1. This is a school of Ruth part 1. Okay? But there's a prayer I want you to pray before we before we go now. We're going to say, Father, you are the one who raised Ruth to help Naomi in her helpless state. Say, Father, you are the one who raised Ruth to help Naomi in her helpless state. Please raise lawyer helpers for me too. Helpers who will not stop helping me no matter what. Raise them for me now in the name of Jesus. Make that your prayer. Ask the Lord to raise helpers for you. Helpers who are loyal. Helpers who will not stop helping you no matter what you tell with, no matter what you do. May the Lord raise such helpers for you in the mighty name of Jesus. So, if you are there, you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, I will give you the opportunity to do that now. The Holy Spirit, one of his titles is the helper, okay? And he's the one who can help you and even send helpers to you. But you have to belong to Jesus to be able to benefit from his help. So, you're going to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. You want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot help myself. And that's why I need your salvation. Please come into my life today, wash away all my sins, and set me free from every bondage that sin has attracted into my life. I confess you as my Lord and Savior today. Please write my name in the book of life and help me to live for you alone from now onward. Also fill me with your Holy Spirit and don't let me ever become a powerless Christian. Thank you Jesus for saving me. Amen. Let us pray our father and our god will thank you for your word thank you so much for helping us to visit this school of Ruth, and thank you so much for the lessons you have taught us today we appreciate you accept our thanks in the name of jesus the grace to pull these lessons to work the grace to apply them in our lives release upon us in the name of jesus and i pray for your children who have decided to surrender their life to jesus forgive all their sins write their names in the book of life and together help us to live our lives in such a way that will bring you glory and honor thank you father for answering our prayers and i quickly pray for everyone listening to me now who is currently in the season of farming i declare this season hence and abundance takes over in the name of jesus thank you father for answering our prayers in jesus mighty name we pray amen
0: we give glory to god for the revelation of his word may we receive grace to be doers and not just hearers in jesus name if you said that prayer of salvation congratulations you are now born again you are a new creature old things have passed away and all things have become new praise god to learn more about this new life in christ jesus please visit our website at www.gloam.org for various helpful resources We also want to invite you to be part of our weekly online Bible study that holds every Sunday at 5 o'clock to 6 p.m. Mountain Time via Zoom app. Click on the invitation banner on the homepage of our website to join the meeting from wherever you are, it's entirely online. God bless you as you do this in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening. Kindly share this episode with others so they too can be blessed, and remember to subscribe to this podcast channel. We will be here again next week for a fresh episode if the Lord has not returned. Until then, keep enjoying your freedom in Christ Jesus. God bless you.